Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to continue our review positionally of the Ravens in 2022. Today, we're going to talk about the Ravens tight end group and our good friend Josh Reed joining us for that discussion. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. I love to talk about the position of the tight end. It's one of the ones that's very near and dear to my heart. Josh, you don't remember is is living the dream in Anchorage, Alaska. Got his own gig as a as a uh, sports writer out there. A lot of high school coverage for your for your what you do. Yeah, I actually do a lot of high school, a lot of college, um, a lot of uh, amateur hockey, junior hockey. So we have an 
NAHL team up here, uh, National uh, North American Hockey League, uh, Anchorage Wolverines that I cover quite a bit. Then I got the UA, University of Alaska Anchorage, uh, all their, all their um, sports teams. And then, yeah, a lot, a lot of high school stuff. All right. Well, sounds good. Uh, got to thank our sponsor here, Liquid Death, the water that will brutally murder your thirst. Please give their product a try. They've been good to us. Let's start, Josh, with what I think is kind of the big story of the tight end group this year. There's a couple. Obviously, one of the things I've talked about ad nauseum so far this year on the pod has been how heavy the Ravens have played. And it's it's the heaviest offense in a relative sense, I believe, in NFL history. Um, in, in an absolute sense, it's so far different from the next closest team. I, I think you'd have to go back decades to find the last team that played as many heavies per play, or maybe stated differently, as few wide receivers per play. Uh, and the main beneficiary of that was this very deep tight end group. Yeah, and well, it, honestly, it was as, as we all know, it's kind of by necessity given all their injuries at wide receiver. You know, you come into the, you come into this um, this season expecting Rashad Bateman to be your guy and the Devin Duty to be your complimentary guy, and then by the end of the season, both of those guys are gone, and then you you turn to uh, you turn you face. You're forced to turn to the corpse of Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson as your top two receivers by the end of the year. So, um, you know, why not lead into your talented group of tight ends? Because honestly, this is the deepest group they've had since 2019. Yeah, it's uh, it certainly is outstanding. We're going to go through them one at a time here. Of course, the Ravens drafted two new tight ends in the fourth round, uh, something they've done several times before to draft two tight ends. And seems to be the second guy always works out better. And Pitta over Dixon mm-hmm. and Andrews over Hurst. And, and now, boil, boil over Williams. Boil over Williams. That's a good one. I kind of forgotten that one. And now, of course, uh, we don't know yet, but Isaiah likely uh, got more playing time than Charlie Kolar did this year. Uh, both of them, honestly, to me, seem to be on the right track, but Kolar may be a little bit behind developmentally. Yeah, I count me in the contingent of people that are really um, – perplexed and somewhat upset that Kolar didn't wasn't active for that playoff game. I just um I I I uh I just didn't really get that one, man. I mean, just like what what value is a guy like James Prochet bringing to you that you haven't already seen? I mean, you could have somebody else back there catching catching punts or fair catching punts. You know, like you should have your most skilled pass catchers, you know, on the field and active, even if it means lining up a, a tight end at receiver, you know, in certain plays because most most tight ends now, or at least the way that the Ravens should should have been using those guys this year, uh, as like the fact the wide receivers. So I was a little I was a little miffed about uh Cole, especially after what he showed in that week 18 game against the Bengals. And for him to be a healthy scratch was just like I don't know. I didn't I didn't like it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you and I I want to talk about him a little bit, but uh but let's talk about Mark Andrews first if you don't mind. Uh a guy played hurt in my opinion, for much of the season, but was still the Ravens' leading receiver. Uh, definitely wasn't the same Mark Andrews they'd been in previous years. No, yeah, no, that that, that was a, it was a knee injury, correct? That 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 was kind of nagging him throughout the year. Um, when when you're when you play a position like that, especially as hard and as gritty, as much attention as a guy like Mark Andrews does have. Um, that does play with, you know, a knee injury can be very debilitating. And you can see he just wasn't as explosive, you know, wasn't as, you know, I mean, he hasn't, I mean, in my opinion, I think me and you've talked about this a couple of times on other podcasts, you know, he hasn't looked as explosive as fast since he did his rookie year. We had quite a few breakaway, breakaway um, run after catch opportunities, mm-hmm. but even in the years since he's still, you know, been able you know, to pull away and get, get more consistent separation at the top of his routes than he had. Um, this past year. So that knee injury was clearly bothering him. But by the end of the year, you know, you could tell he was kind of like grounding back in the form and uh, looking like his, his old self there. 
Yeah, his yards per target took another drop this year down to 7.5, uh, it, which was not good. Uh, the lowest passer rating throwing to him of his career at, uh, let's see, 90.8. So those are PFR numbers. So pro football reference, uh, you know, kind of the normal uh, encyclopedia site. Uh, in 2021, there were nine interceptions on balls targeting. That dropped to only three in 2022. So there are other elements of his game that really fell off. Um, and, and most notably, his last touchdown of the season came in week six. Uh, just, you know, Mark Andrews was, he, he disappeared the last 11 weeks of the year. And he's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, the Ravens didn't have a lot of receiving touchdowns this season. Yeah, I mean, uh, you could make an argument that the entire offense dropped off after that first month and a half of the season, Ken. I mean, honestly, it just, you know, for the second year in a row, you know, like, you know, we're talking about these, all these uh, numbers dropping, then that, but at, at the same time, you know, your offense is going through kind of somewhat, I wouldn't say identity crisis, but like identity shift, because like I said, those injuries at receiver, you know, you're really, you're really banking on those guys to pro- not just produce, but be healthy. And then once they weren't, you know, like, okay, people aren't respecting you know, your second, your, your third and fourth wide receivers like they were Bateman and Duvernay to start off the year. So you're shifting their attention towards Andrews. And, you know, I, I wouldn't say that Lamar, like, lost confidence in Andrews because he was still, you know, their go-to guys in some, you know, when they needed when they needed to get a bucket. But um, when it came down to, like, the red zone area, um, it's just one of the biggest one of the biggest bugaboos for them, as we all know, was the red zone, um, red zone scoring offense. And when you got a guy like Mark Andrews and Isaiah and another guy like Isaiah Likely, who we're going to get into a little later, um, it kind of makes no sense to me that you wouldn't just, you know, I'm not saying they throw fades because, but you know, because we're not, you know, Ravens aren't a big fade fade route team, but mm-hmm. you know, more jump opportunities. And then um, it's something I think I think it's going to change going forward, just because they have these awesome tight ends um, that uh, you know they have now. But it was really perplexing to me that you didn't see more opportunities for those guys to kind of go up and get it in the end zone. It'll matter who is at quarterback for that because Lamar completely changed the red zone offense for this team from a from a largely fade and zipper team to a primarily a a Lamar moving laterally along the line of scrimmage and finding a player open on an extension of a play. And, and that's, that's all his success early on his career, or a lot of it was based on exactly that ability to, to, to find a space at the right time down there in the red zone. Yeah. Like Uh, the touchdown to Isaiah likely against the Buccaneers. That was one of those extended play opportunities where he got him in the back of the end zone. It was, that was a two man route, a little different, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Mark Andrews, uh, obviously we hope for more health out of him. Another guy we need to talk about is Nick Boyle. And you know, Nick Boyle obviously hung around on this team. I think there were a lot of questions. If you're a Charlie Kolar fan, you probably are not real happy with the fact that Nick Boyle was still taking a spot on the game day roster and the Kolar couldn't take it away from him. I think is probably the thing to be more unhappy about is that a guy who's fairly limited in terms of what he gives the team few snaps offensively never had above 16 in a game i think he had like 60 snaps the whole season for the ravens offensively 61 yeah, yeah. i'm looking and at pfr right now there you go and so he couldn't uh you know he, the fact that kolar couldn't take that guy's job away uh is bothersome yeah um i i don't know what it was um i don't know if the coaching staff didn't exactly trust Kolar just yet or didn't necessarily like what they were seeing in practice or they really that much I mean I'd hate to think that they valued the special teams value of of Nick Boyle so much to the point where they you know I want to say stunt the growth but delay 
the growth of this rookie just for the sake of having Nick Boyle out there for, I think what he, he was out there for 108 special team snaps. So he was all, he's out there for almost twice as many special team snaps as offensive snaps with, with to me, it's, it, it wasn't really worth it. You know, even 108 is not that many. I mean, if you're, if you're Malik Harrison, I, I'd like to know what Malik Harrison played in terms of offense, in terms of special team snaps. I'll look it up. Uh, he, he or or Geno Stone would probably be a better one because he's on all their all their special teams units pretty much. Uh, you know those guys play a lot more special teams uh, snaps in a uh, in a single season. And Boyle did three twenty for Stone, so it's hard to imagine a guy who plays a third of the special team snaps is taking, you know, a spot from a from a first round tight end where you're desperate not to lose the year developmentally. You already lost a lot to injury. And then you come back and and uh, uh, and he can't win his way onto the field. Yeah, um, like I said, I, I you know I kind of I, I kind of feel bad for 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 Nick because you know it's such like a fall from grace from a player that was so integral to their success for for a number of years prior to his his gruesome injury and it really kind of just like derailed his career to an extent and I wouldn't say spelled the end of his time with with the Ravens because they you know they bring him back on the practice squad but you know he he went from being you know a key cog to a non-factor pretty much and um a guy, the emergence of a guy like Josh Oliver who the Ravens even said in multiple occasions you know earned his spot on the roster and earned 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 a uh, role in the offense that he kind of usurped his role as the de facto blocking tight end you know that's a great point is that is that Oliver is the anti-Kolar in that sense is that is that Oliver just won the job away and and couldn't be moved off the roster but one of the really big surprises of the Ravens this year on cut down day. I, there was nobody I was more surprised of than Oliver making this roster. Yeah. I mean, like, he, he showed a little bit in the preseason, but I just didn't, I like, given the roster crunch when I did my numbers and did my prediction and all that. I mean, I just, I just didn't see a way that they would, they would, um they would keep that many tight ends. And, and then did he would be that um uh, one of those, one of those guys that would, um, like I said, they must have seen more than more than more than more than we did, you know, given that they see him in practice and everything. And, you know, he actually did have a pretty, pretty decent year, um, yeah. you know, given given all this. He, he made more contributions in the passing game than I feel like Nick Boyle would have or could have. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's it's he made a broad set of contributions because good, a good special teams player. They need him there. Uh, he's the team's best blocking tight end. Probably Andrews is also quite good. Likely is good. They're all good, frankly. But but I, I would. I would have said that Oliver probably is the best of that group right now. And he earned that inline role. Once you've got that, those are actually the guys who can be harder to find than the receivers. That's why Boyle, you know, had as much leash as he did here in terms of, of, you know, still hanging around for a long time. If you look at Oliver, the past, his first two seasons, one was at Jacksonville, he had 2.5 yards per target. It's not going to keep you around the NFL. Ravens acquired him 4.4 yards per target in 21, which is why we thought, Hey, that's a guy who'll be gone actually improved to six yards per target. Now I'm not going to claim that's a good number because it's not, it's a bad number still, but, Mm -hmm. but when you go with all the other things he did, he's providing the offense a little bit. He did certainly provide a a few big plays this year and, you know, 26 catches on 46 targets is not a great catch percentage, but he did, you know, with the blocking contributions and special teams contributions he, he makes, I think he's a kind of a key player for the Ravens to make a decision on for 23. Yeah. I think the cool thing about it is he shouldn't cost that much given, you know, given, given like, you know, like, like his production and, and, you know, he's like, actually the old fourth coming off his fourth season in the league and it's been his best year, but it's not, you know, best year compared to, 
his own standards, not compared to, you know, a guy like Mark Andrews or anything like that. So he wouldn't command the most. I think some, some teams that might be interested in him or teams, you know, like, like the Shanahan offenses, I, I, could, I could definitely see him getting picked up by a team like – I mean, two, two guys on the 2022 Ravens that could definitely see on the 2023 Niners is a guy like a Josh Oliver and a guy like a Justice Hill. These guys who I feel like will really fit their scheme and the things that they, they, they like to do with their tight ends and running backs. Yeah, that's that's very astute. I would agree with that. I think you know the Jets are a team that that might want him. Now, Douglas doesn't have the kind of connection with Oliver, but there's still a lot of coaching connections between those two organizations that might allow that to happen. And the biggest likelihood is if Greg Roman is an offensive coordinator in the NFL level for a different team this year, which is altogether possible. You know, another team you you want your run game fixed, he's your guy. Yeah. Um, then you know they they Josh Oliver could well end up there as a guy that you know Roman knows he understands his scheme he'll bring in he'll teach everybody else you know I think uh, he's earned himself a much longer career with this fourth season this could have been it this he could have been cut banged around on somebody's practice squad basically said you know what this just isn't working out and and been done with it after four seasons here and now it looks like. I look at his career, blocking tight ends are kind of players who tend to last a little longer than you expect them to. You know, guys who who can always find a role in 12 personnel, guys who can run block and who can pass block a little bit are not that easy to find. I just think Josh Oliver could be one of these. If he stays with the Ravens, he could be a perpetual two-year deal guy with, you know, vet minimum plus two to 400,000 of, of uh, signing bonus each time. You know, it won't be it won't be a lot of money, but you know, hey, who among us is making a million dollars a year? <laughs> right. This yeah. is a good opportunity. And and you know, those NFL benefits, that package is unbelievable, by the way. If you've ever looked through it, I, I you know I know what my own benefits are, and 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 corporations across America are basically trying to strip a lot of benefits out of most things. You work in print, you probably know that that a lot of that is going on, but it's going on with pensions, with health insurance, retiree health, all these kind of things. The NFL has an absolutely monstrous uh, positive package for their for their players, and that's uh, one of the, re- the really nice things about. It. Obviously, there's some injury risk, and there's other things that that uh, you know you're taking some chances with your body, and, and in particular with your head in some cases. Uh, but there is a big payoff for it. Yeah, that's why those guys fight so hard to to stay around and hang around for as long as possible because your your coverage depends on how much time you got invested in the league. So the longer you stick around, whether that's you know as a as a vet man guy or practice squad guy or a perpetual one to two year deal kind of guy, the better off you're going to be down the road because you can't pay for you can't you can't find that kind of awesome coverage. Believe me, I know as somebody who works yeah. in works in journalism, my benefits aren't like I have a great job. But I don't have the best benefits. Like, I got to mm-hmm. come out. I got to come out of pocket fourteen hundred dollars for this doula for my wife uh, for our third child that we're about to have, and it's not great. All right. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but congratulations on the on the third child. So that's at least good. Yep. Uh, we can talk a little bit later, maybe about predict a little bit about where we expect Josh Oliver to end up. How about Isaiah Likely? We move on to him because a guy who certainly looked great in the preseason. They fed the ball through to him an awful lot with the twos and then with the ones in that third game. Um, looked okay during the regular season. Certainly had his receiving moments. Um, the, the thing that I was really happy with him about was his step forward as a blocker during the year. Yeah, I mean, he sold strides and blocking just in the pre the pre preseason from one game to the next. And um I, I was I was very impressed with that. And like he so he showed a more well-rounded skill set than I thought he would have um he would have 
this soon in his career coming into the league. Uh, he was one of the guys that I, that I studied um, um, in the pre-draft process, um, him and him and Kohler, but especially him, he was a guy I really liked coming out of coastal Carolina. I just, I just thought he was just going to be that guy that was always either in the slot or split out wide, but to see him take as much as, as to make, to see him make as, as significant of a stride as a blocker this soon in his career, like the strides I feel like he made in year one, Andrews didn't make to like year two, year three. And um, I, th- as, I think a, as a blocker, yeah, as a blocker, yes, as a, yeah. as a blocker, and I, I was really um, happy to see him to see him do that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, you know, likely, really did, was looking a little lost. I mean, a lot of the Ravens rookies kind of looked a little lost to start the season. Uh, uh, Kyle Hamilton obviously really struggled to start the year against Miami with some with some really poor play. But Oliver, uh, sorry, not Oliver, likely had holding penalties galore. So. Uh, he had some in the preseason. He had some to start the season, and he was on the field then. After a while, only as a kind of a designated receiver, which really means he's just coming in more as a, a as a second tight end on more obvious passing downs. And the Ravens had many more passes on the plays he was in than runs. Some people would say it's a tell. It really was more like a a, a down and distance condition. So if you say you know it's a th- it's third and eight, you know it's going to be a pass, and I say likely because I say likely is going to fa- is on the field. That's probably not the primary indicator. <laughs> I say likely is it's the third and eight is more of it. So yeah. uh, so anyway, uh, other things from likely that you saw, maybe maybe some of his receiving things. Man, I thought like after what we saw in the preseason, I thought it was going to be you know Gronk and Aaron Hernandez 2.0 man for to start this season. And then when he that got caught, saw like a bunch of people were even talking about you start him in fantasy and he's going to be a dark horse candidate for offensive rookie of the year. I wasn't going that far with my predictions and projections for him, <laughs> but I did think he'd be a, a lot more consistent piece of the offense um, as a rookie. And it seemed like the only time he got you know, consistent involvement and consistent targets was when Mark was either injured or out of the lineup entirely. And um, so I, I would, I would have liked to see them, you know, like, you know, utilize him more in a passing game. Cause that's, as a pass catcher, man, he, a lot of the stuff that he showed in the preseason, he showed at times, you know, in the break of season, as far as yards after catch, you know, finding the soft spots in zone, knowing where to sit, being court, very quarterback friendly and just being hard to tackle in an open field. I mean, he didn't show too much, loose, like as much elusive, elusiveness as he did in the preseason, but as far as like breaking tackles and shedding, Block, not shedding blocks, but you know, shedding, shedding defenders and picking up more yards after catch. Um, I was very impressed with what he showed in limited opportunities as a rookie. Yeah, I, I was too. I thought that you know your, your your expectations always have to be muted for a rookie. I I, I do think there are issues. I, I think he had issues with drops that need to be addressed. Um, I, I, there are probably technical things about being a tight end, uh, in being a move tight end that he could have done better. But I, basically speaking, I, I thought his development as a blocker was good enough that, that, you know, Ravens fans should be very happy and have a very positive up green arrow into 2023 on what's, what to expect from Isaiah likely. Uh, I, 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 there's no part of his game right now that I'm truly upset about outside of the drops. And, you know, again, that it should be something that is correctable, uh, you know, given, I think what we've seen so far. Yeah, most of those were like concentration drops where he kind of took the ball, took, took his eye off the ball before securing it, and he was already thinking about getting up field and making the first guy miss. So those kind of things are always correctable. It's it's the ones where the guys that go straight through his hands and bounce off his face mask, those are the ones that I worry about. The guys catches that, it too close to the body kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly, like a body catcher. Yeah. Those are, that, that's when I kind of get concerned for guys not catching with his hands. His, his drops are more of like a, a focused – Focus concentration drops more so than a lack of of, of hands or lack of, of 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 talent. 
the Ravens haven't really had like kind of a ball surrounder at tight end in recent years that I can think of. You know, there have been times where I think Nick Boyle has done it to effect, to positive effect, but most of the time, I you know, they don't they don't kind of surround the ball. The guy, you know, as a receiver in Ravens history who's who definitely is a ball surrounder is Jacoby Jones. That ball was always in danger of of hitting his helmet or his shoulder pad or something else before it got to his hands. And even on the mile high miracle, a lot of people said he fair caught it. <laughs> he fair caught a punt. That's exactly what he did, you know. So uh there you go. That's uh it's good to have that. So uh, uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit maybe about about what likely what to expect out of likely in in 2023. But I thought one of the really good things was his snaps were up to I think it's 461 for the year. Let me let me go to my list here. 438, 438 snaps for the season. So that includes the penalties. So it's it's you know maybe a little bit higher than than you might hear him counted normally. But it's uh, uh, you know a, a broadly solid year and i think there's there's some good potential growth still there needs to get the connection with lamar and i think he'll have that opportunity next year yeah i'm really excited about the future of of of, of isaiah likely just three more years of cost control for this a guy like this and uh, paired with a with a quarterback like lamar who loves throwing across the middle of the field and to his tight ends especially i'm super excited about so um i think i think he'll he'll take a he'll take a We'll say like you know, like explosive step as far as like you know, the huge jump in production next year. But I could like, what, how many how many yards did he finish with um, this year? I think he, he finished with three hundred seventy three uh, seventy three receiving yards. I could easily see him, you know, pushing five hundred if not more. You may see your coworkers cracking open a can in your nine a.m. stand up meeting, but it's most likely not beer. It's a new mountain spring water called Liquid Death. You've heard me talk about this many times. Why is it called liquid death? Well, because it'll brutally murder your thirst. Plus, its infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to be a, bring a death to plastic bottles. Did you know plastic's not even really recyclable anymore? It ends up just going to a landfill because it's not profitable to recycle. Meanwhile, aluminum is recyclable and profitable for recycling facilities. You guys know how much I love Liquid Death. It's in everything I do. I take it to work. I take it to the ball club. I take it when I'm out with the kids. I got them here on my camp, on my desk because I'm recording a podcast. I'm always with it. What's cool now is I'm seeing you guys on Twitter talk about how you're grabbing your cans and going to work. So send me those stories about what you're doing and how you're cracking open a tall boy in odd situations because, hey, it's water. And not only is it water, it's the best water that you can go out there and buy. It's cold. You can drink it with whatever you're doing. So go on out there, get Liquid Death at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool by going to liquiddeath.com slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com slash film study. I mean, there's not that's, the total touches are always limited in the Ravens offense. So we'll see what it, it, you know how that offense looks with a new offensive coordinator, but uh, I, I I think it's possible. Certainly, he'll play more games, and 500 is not the kingly sum it was. It's under 30 yards a game now. You need to get there, so uh, uh, it can it, it certainly can be done. Um, wouldn't say I no. Just, wouldn't say yeah, definitely. Yeah, I just think like given like, his presence and Kolar's presence. And potentially Oliver, if he's back, I couldn't, I couldn't see Mark, Mark pushing for a thousand, and then uh, the next closest tight end getting, getting more than, maybe more than five, five fifty, maybe. Just given all the talent that they have, I don't think that um, 
they're gonna be able to funnel that many passes to their second number two tight end. Right. I mean, it's interesting because the Ravens offensively with their with their run game, Lamar led the team in rushing for the fourth consecutive year. And the 2022 Ravens were also in the top 25 all time in terms of rushing yards in a season. Might maybe higher than that. Uh, and, and you know, they didn't have anybody among the running backs who really ran for a lot of yards. Uh, they had a bunch of bunch of 400 to 500 yard guys who who basically made up the field after Lamar's 764. Um, but so I, I, that's what I, I mean when I say there's not a lot of touches to go around is mm-hmm. Lamar touches the ball a fair amount himself. The Ravens want, you know, the running backs to, to, to carry a significant burden. They're really committed to rotational running back play. So you don't have anyone who's, who's going to put up Derrick Henry numbers or Jamal Lewis numbers anymore. Much and, to J.K. Dobbins' chagrin. <laughs> yes. Much. To, yeah. There you go. He's talking about it. Uh, anyway, let's move on. Uh, Charlie Kolar, we finally got to see a fair amount of him in week 18 versus Cincinnati. Looked very good, I thought, in that game. Uh, David Ajabo also got to play, got his got his sack and, and a forced fumble, uh, which was really nice to see. Both those guys not losing the year developmentally just means a lot. They, they're going to go into 2023. They'll have failed in some ways, but they'll just seen what the NFL is like to some way. Not, not what NFL practice is like. But what the dirty NFL is like, where the other guy is trying to beat you every way he can, is not trying to brother-in-law you, and doesn't doesn't have the same care for you not getting injured that they would if it were practice. Yeah, I mean for for both those guys, really, just seeing them in that in that in that last game of of the season was just like I won't say vindicating, but it was just like okay, this is this. We got something here, you know. We got something with both of these guys, you know. For them, for both of them, they'll come up with, with big plays in that game. And you know, Kolar didn't have a huge game as far as like you know, you know, final stats wise. But I think like what three of his four catches went for first downs, and then he averaged like like over ten yards, ten yards to reception, which you know, given who he had at quarterback, yeah, like pretty pretty yeah. pretty darn pretty darn impressive. I think it's like first first two or three catches went for fourteen yards. And um, like I said, I was just like very pleased with what I saw from him and like the, the sample size. It was it was so tantalizing to be like, oh wait, I can't wait to see that again next week. And then you get then you didn't get it the next week. So that was a little disappointing for me just because I really wanted to see him build off of that solid performance the week prior. But um we'll have we'll have a whole offseason of anticipation waiting to see what um these guys can do in twenty twenty three. Yeah, it's interesting who he was competing with for that last spot. And you mentioned James Brochet. I think it might have been David Ajabo. He's actually competing for for the the wild card playoff activation. So they could either have one extra tight end or one extra outside linebacker, but not both. And you know, Ajabo doesn't play special teams. I, I I don't know. I assume Kolar would have had a role on special teams since tight ends almost always do. But uh, it would it would. Uh, that's the kind of judgment that might've been made going to that wild card game. Yeah. I'm just, uh, uh, man, it's just, I, I have nothing personal against, against James Prochet. It's just like the, the, the lack of value consistency that a guy brings on offense. And it's just, man, like if he, if he would have made like one of the two big plays that he, that he, that he whiffed on the past, the last two weeks of the season, we'd be, people would feel like a whole different way about James Prochet. If he would have, if he would have caught, you know, that ricochet hail mary in the back of the end zone, you know, oh, he'd, be, yeah. he'd be he'd be a Ravens folk hero, you yeah. know, or if he would have if he would have not went out of bounds voluntarily on that on that thirty four yard or I think thirty something yard catch and run the week was it the week prior I think that was, um, I don't know man it's just like his 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 tenure in Baltimore has just been plagued by pick sixes that were t- or that came his way 
or just, you know, boneheaded plays where there are penalties or missed opportunities. And it's just, uh, man, I you kind of feel for the guy, but at the same time, it's like, ooh, we could have used somebody. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we could have used somebody else on that in that uh, for that rest of roster spot. You kind of feel like it's a waste of roster spot because it's not like he, even as the punt returner, you know, he didn't. I think the longest longest return he ever had was like, I, think, I don't even think it was like twenty yards. Okay, even the 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 you bring the interesting point. This is I kind of had lost this from memory, but I thought he had three targets or something in his rookie year, and two of them were pick sixes. Pick sixes, yeah, both yeah. against the Steelers. The Steelers, yeah, exactly. So. Uh, it's just the kind of thing that, yeah, the man is just, he is, it seems to have a black cat cross his path all the time. It's, uh, just, just really bad. All right, let's move on. We need to talk about one more player and, and how this guy fits into the Ravens offense of the future. Obviously he's a bit, will, will tell us a lot about who this next offensive coordinator and what his style is, but Patrick Ricard had another big year. And it's interesting because the Ravens, uh, you know, went out and and made a futures deal with Ben Mason again. I don't know what they like about this guy so much from practice, but there is obviously something. <laughs> even though they they don't really want him on the on the roster and they can't have him make the team, maybe they maybe they want to haze him or something <laughs> to, to make up for the fact that he left him for the Patriots in his rookie year. But uh, I, I, Ricard, you know. Just a one of a kind player in the NFL. Still a great run blocker. Um, you know, for for he was he was probably a little bit up and down the, the the beginning of the year, but I thought he finished extremely strong as the Ravens were forced into running the ball more and and did a very good job leading that effort. Uh, first, I'll touch on the Ben Mason thing. Honestly, at this point, I think he's just injury insurance in case. Ricard yeah. misses any amount of time or has any kind of offseason surgery like he did last year. And um, we shouldn't expect anything from Ben Mason outside of a couple of preseason carries, <laughs> you know, this, up, this upcoming, this upcoming uh, fall, but back up uh, to Ricard, man. I mean, I feel like no matter what offense the Ravens, you know, like what, who are the Ravens to hire offensive coordinator? I think Patrick Ricard, you know, it's going to be a fixture in his offense, no matter what, just because like I said, even the, the beautiful thing about Patrick Ricard is like even like people though, like okay, like like Cam, Cam Cam Hayward even said it on the broadcast. Um, I forgot what what game they were previewing. I don't know if it was Week 18 or it might have been the playoff game. But he was like, you know, look, 42 is going to take it to wherever the ball goes. Wherever 40, wherever 42 goes, the ball's going. But the fact that he can be that obvious tell of where the ball's going, and they can still jam that thing down your throat. Right. I mean that that's, that just goes to show you the value of this player, and you know, and he made, he took it even in the more even though it was a huge leap in production, but he's continued to be more involved in the passing game as, as an underneath pass catcher. I mean, there were some times this year when they dialed up fullback screens to where if, if he would have got a better ball thrown his way, or if they, his blockers would have you know you know made their blocks a little better, you know he 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 would have he would have had even more yards. I do not think I can blame much of that on the on the. Uh... Uh, on the quarterbacks or whatever. I mean, he had 5.7 yards per target this year, and that was by far his career high. His career high average yards per target is 4.5. So basically, anytime Patrick Ricard is running a route, particularly if he's running a route without the uh, the thing being disguised or a late release or some other way that they're trying to, they literally need three yards on a pass to get a you know complete a get a third and three or a fourth and two kind of thing. Uh, I, I'm I'm not a real big fan of. I don't I don't think he's I don't think it's very tricky. I don't I don't think you know you really get a lot of value out of it. So um yeah, occasionally you'll see him and we all like to see a big man running the football. That's a lot of fun. But uh uh but let's save it for those third and one plays where he has to take the ball in his belly and 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 jam it through. 
Okay, so you didn't like that that first and that first and goal play against the I guess the Bengals when they tried to throw it out to him in the flat and he kind of no. just yeah, I wasn't a fan of it either. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I you know the play I did like and it just didn't work out was the tight end screen to Mark Andrews that they had blocked. They had it, they had a two-on-two blocking over there with I think it was Powers and Stanley. And they each had their guy. And if they'd each make their block, Andrews is in the end zone easily. But they both whiffed on their block, and they whiffed so badly, it was ugly. It was like a TFL for like minus like four or something like that. Uh, it wasn't. It, I don't think it was a huge loss on the play. There might have been a loss of one. There might have even been a gain of one. It wouldn't surprise me. But it was like at the five yard line they started on that play. Might have been. I don't think it was zero because a zero would have a direction and a zero underscore, and I don't remember a zero underscore in that game on our score sheet. So it was either minus one or or, or plus one, I think. And uh, it's just unfortunate because it looked like it was a touchdown if if both those guys had made their block. Yeah, I got I I, I know a lot of people, um, a lot of Ravens fans, especially, you know, um, want to bag on Greg Roman, but I feel like the guy had some pretty 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 creative and intuitive play calls that just just weren't executed. I mean, there 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 were times where like things were there, things were there, they were they were open, and it was just like one guy here, one guy there, one missed block here, or one drop pass there, and it took what could have been. I mean, there are plenty of times where he he dialed up screen passes to where if a guy just catches the ball, has nothing but green grass in front of him. This is like dating back to last year too. Like you know, like Hollywood had plenty of bad drops on 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 screens where he had like like twenty yards of open grass in front of him, and he, you know he just didn't didn't. Holt reeling the ball. So I'll cut Greg Roman some slack in the sense that like, you know, like, yeah, he had some nice plays dialed up and schemed up and, you know, sometimes, you know, players just didn't execute. I think there's multiple reasons why this had to be the end for, for Roman. I mean, I'll list about three of them right here. The first is that, um, you know, maybe the Ravens have gained what they can in terms of his input into this. And it now, you know, while he layered on run game concepts, somebody else can now layer on passing game concepts and hopefully still build off what's already there, not give it up completely. I mean, it's, it's, it's a real strength of the Ravens. They have players who know how to do it and take advantage of it. They have an offensive line that's built to do a lot of it. So I hope they won't just, don't just uh, throw that away. But number two is that um, this is not a year coming off a, a you know, another a couple of really of disappointing years, not making the playoffs in 21 with a long losing streak at the end, making the playoffs. But uh, even though play, they played competitively in the game at Cincinnati, you know, this, this team hoped for more. The fans knew it wasn't going anywhere uh, as soon as Lamar got hurt. All right. But then there obviously was a lot of disappointment with Lamar, not, not being back, not fairly placed on Lamar, but there was a lot of disappointment too, because, Hey, we want to have a chance to win. You know, we're fans. What are we, what are we going to do? And the third thing that, that I, the reason I don't think Roman will be back is that Lamar really doesn't clearly doesn't want him here and he's ready to move on. And in order, one of the things they have to do, and they're having to look at all the little things right now is to, is to include Lamar in the offensive coordinator search. There's a lot of guys involved. They should, you know, if, if Lamar's out talking to all of them, he may actually grow tired of it before the Ravens do in a sense uh, and the Ravens could easily grow tired of it too because you know they, they might not really um, want to direct the search in the way Lamar would yet they really need to do that in order to derive some loyalty value out of Lamar for it I believe 
Yeah, I, I definitely believe, uh, believe it. it was this that 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 this offense had reached that it's I won't say inflection point, but like like you said, like they gotten everything they could have gotten out of the Greg Roman that offense. It was just time to evolve. It was time to evolve, become not become something new, but become something more. You know, become something that, that, that they said build off what was already there. And John Harbaugh even even said as much, you know, that we're still going to keep a lot of the same stuff. We want somebody to come in here and build off of what we already have, not just tear it up from, you know, from, right. from, from the ground floor. And he said that um, in his, his season-ending press conference that Lamar would um, be involved and have some input in, you know, who's going to be the next offensive coordinator. It's because, you know, he's, he's the quarterback. He's the face of the franchise. He's the guy that's going to have to have a personal and good working relationship with the next uh, play caller. You're not just going to bring in the guy and just tell Lamar, you know, this is the guy who we want to run our offense, deal with it. Because then, you know, you will have to deal with having a new quarterback in 2025. <laughs> There, there you go. Yeah. If, if I don't think it will take that long either, honestly, if Lamar's on the franchise tag and has to play on the franchise tag, part of it, I don't think Lamar is now thinking, boy, I ought to bet on myself, play another season tagged, but not under a long-term contract. I think he, you know, he wants a long-term contract now. If the Ravens don't want to give it to him, he's, he's really should be in a different place in terms of, look, I've been injured two years in a row. I really need to be serious about, about this being my one opportunity for an enormous payday. And then maybe there's another part of it that says, hey, it, what's the difference between $100 million the rest of his career and $400 million the rest of his career? They're both enormous numbers. you know. And this is an interesting puzzle, by the way, Josh. Let me, let me toss this out there for you. And in terms of risk aversion, this is how I used to try and explain what insurance companies do to kids who might want to get into the actuarial profession. But we're going to have a game, and I'm going to offer you two choices. You can either have a dollar, or and that's a sure thing, or you can roll one die, one six-sided die. If you roll a six, you get a thousand dollars. Which of those? Which of those sides would you would you take? I'm taking a dollar. You want the dollar, not the roll for a thousand? No, man. What if I don't roll a thousand? Get land on. You said a six-sided die, and I got to yeah. land on one particular one to get that thousand. Mm-hmm. No, I'm gonna take a dollar. Oh, one sixth of a thousand dollars, about 167 bucks. So of expected value. So I we've I've asked kids, never is no one has ever taken your side of it. One math teacher did. I was she should not be teaching math. <laughs> it's all I can say about it. She is, it's, it's it's a it's an expected value question. But anyway, the the answer is supposed to be that you know if 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 most people would take the role for for a thousand dollars because it's just a dollar is only a dollar. It's not it's just not enough money to care about. But well, if, I, be, if I was a kid, because if I was a kid, I'm taking a dollar from uh, from a from a grown man with my own job and stuff like that, and I can have a chance to win a thousand dollars. Yeah, I'll take that role. I bet you, mean, like, as a kid, as a kid, like I'm taking a dollar. Go give me some now, candy. Well, you know, I I don't know which kids you know we're, we're we're talking to, but a lot of a lot of kids we go to where they've been like uh, in high school and probably a, 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 you know I, I they're just. Everybody, everybody there doesn't doesn't think much of the value of a dollar. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> um, when the, the second choice, though, is let's raise the stakes of that game by a million. And this is where the insurance company comes into play. And now you can have a million dollars guaranteed. And I'm giving the offer this to Josh Reed. You can have a million dollars guaranteed or you can have a one sixth chance of a billion dollars. Which of those do you want? Hmm. One sixth of a billion. I, I'll probably still take that million. 
Okay, the million is is I think what most people their answer flips to risk more risk aversion once you raise the stakes by a million. And I, I hope you're playing along out there, people who are listening. But that, that's the idea. Is but insurance companies exist because there's large bets to be made in the world. They know how to share that risk and 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 trade it around if they need to. And it's okay. They can take a lot of those individual risks, whereas individual people don't want to take a lot of those risks. And and that's that's kind of the, the idea. Now, relating this back to Lamar's contract, Lamar, you know, if he was truly risk averse, you know, uh, it, he he might want to completely lock it in. It might be actually the opposite. If he's if he doesn't really um, care that much about earning one hundred or four hundred million. Well, then he can he can he can go ahead and make the bet on himself. It's not that huge a bet if your utility for that money does not change too much between one and four hundred million. Now, he he may be able to say people they honestly do um, graduate to a new income level very easily, and and people say, oh wow, if I had that money, I I wouldn't even know what to do with it. No, you would. You just just have that kind of money for a couple of years, and you, you'd figure out how to spend it. Uh, you the, the the risk is you might you might figure out how to spend more. Not that you wouldn't figure out how to spend up to your limit. Yeah, people, people, people can miss me with that whole money doesn't buy happiness. I believe that money cannot buy you happiness, but it can buy you the opportunities to be happy. Like if you like, right. like in doing a certain activity, but oh man, I can't afford to go skydiving or go to, go to Dubai or go to Fiji. But you know what can get you those opportunities? More money. <laughs> so like the whole thing about money doesn't buy happiness, money can buy you the opportunity to be happy. So yeah. miss me with that. Yeah, lots of lots of choices. You get more choices with money, which is a nice thing, and uh, you know, in real life. But anyway, I, I, I we certainly hope Lamar gets paid. But I, I hope he he kind of has a more predictable um, relationship to risk than he has these. The, you know, in the last year uh, that, that that this contract could have been certainly dealt with. We're going to see other contracts get signed. Burrow and Herbert are going to get their deals. It may even influence how much Lamar gets paid. Or it may not, because you know those guys haven't had the same kind of injury history so far that Lamar has. And that's the thing that's like uh, I want to say keep me up, keeps me up at night, Ken. But something that I really worry about, they're like, okay, what if you know Burrow and Herbert get paid? Because odds are, like after seeing after seeing what the Ravens are doing with Lamar Jackson, I think that you know as soon as the season's over for the for the Bengals, that that you know they're they're gonna try their hardest to get Burrow locked up and. You know, my, my thing is like, okay, if, if, if Burrow and Herbert both get paid before Lamar, and it's like, uh, the cool one thing is, okay, if they both get paid and neither one of them get fully guaranteed, all right, you know, we're still cooking with some grease here. But if, if, if one or both of them get paid and their deal is fully guaranteed, mm-hmm. oh, man, that, um, I mean, I, 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 you could still make an argument for, for, for Lamar getting paid more than, more, than, more than Herbert just because Herbert hasn't done nearly as much as Lamar, as much as people would like to, you know, bloviate about him um, mm-hmm. on, on uh, social media. But with, when it, with, with, the whole, with the whole Burrow thing, it's different, though, man. This is, this is a guy who's been to two straight AFC conference title games, won the division two times in a row. Granted, he has, you know, better, better weapons and stuff like that. But um, that, that, whole, that whole argument about who's done more, like, you know, what's the value of an MVP versus – you know, a guy's been to a Pro Bowl and been to two Super Bowls potentially. So um, that's the thing that, like, man, if, if, if Burrow and Herbert get paid before Lamar, it could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. Yeah, it's it is will be one of the one of the really difficult things because Lamar's won an MVP and Burrow. If if he even if he if he loses this game to to the Chiefs, I mean, it's not that's not a real black mark on his career. two conference titles games. Yeah, two conference yes, titles games. of course. 
I mean, I, I think I think it would be difficult for the Ravens to justify paying Lamar as much money as Burrow gets. Uh, now, one of the reasons why they might is Lamar is a lot longer along the track in terms of um, years of service. And in this particular case, it will help him because he's closer to free agency, whereas Burrow just finishing year three, they've still got it. That's right. Right. This is year yeah. three. Burrow. Yeah. So they're, they're just picking up the year five option effectively. They really are getting him signed off to avoid future stress over the contract. But that fourth year, uh, you know, he, he, he will make considerably less money. I would expect then Lamar Jackson will over the next five years playing in the NFL. So his contract will probably, you know, have to reflect that just because the, the Bengals have current frictions and advantages in terms of negotiating with him for the, for the fourth and fifth year, not being nearly as well paid. Lamar's already passed that, passed that fifth year. Now he's into the real gravy years of, of uh, two times tagging and then a long, uh, a long contract. Yeah, I was hoping that you know the the Patrick Mahomes contract. I wouldn't say would would you know. I just like at, at the time of signing, I was like, okay, bet nobody's going to be able to argue they could be they should be paid more than or as much as Patrick Mahomes. But that's not how the that's not how the quarterback market works. It's not about you know you know who deserves to be paid more than this guy or next. It's all about the next guy and 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 the inflation of of, of the quarterback salaries. And, you know, along with the proliferation of the salary cap. So yeah, as much as we want to say like, oh, this person doesn't deserve to get paid more than Patrick Mahomes who's been in the five straight AFC title games. Well, it's not about whether he deserves or who's resume at the end of the day. It's about the position and where and where it's going. And so, like, you know, like just because he signed this deal back in, was it 2020 or 2021? But he signed that half a billion dollar deal, you know, like and, and then the, the length. I view his contract the same way I view it as the, the Tyron Smith contract for the Cowboys back in the day, 10-year contract. You, you you assign a guy to that long of a contract, so you can always be able to finagle it down the road, and you can always just like tack on more dummy mm-hmm. years and, and and stretch that cap space. So it allows you – like and that's, that's, that's the thing that bothers me about, about Lamar's deal and some of the things that happen here, and it's like you know, he doesn't really necessarily want like a long-term, long-term deal because he wants to be able to get another bite at the apple. Well, that's going to prohibit your team from being able to surround you with some of the best talent outside of, you know, you know, shortchanging you other places. And we've seen what you've what, what what's happened to you with the self-power offensive line it doesn't look good. So, you know, you're always going to want your team because your team, you know, you can always, you know, invest in the offensive line and the and and you know, wide receiver, other, you know, tertiary, you know, position groups. So it's, it's, it's going to be a. Like I said, he's really going to have to look, look at himself in the mirror and look at, you know, sit down with his team. Look, all right, you know, what's going to be not just best for me for long term financial security, but best for this team so that we're all set up for success for the long term. Because right. the AFC is not getting easier. You know, it's only going to get harder. And um, like I said, like you have teams like, 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 like a guy, a quarterback like Burrow can definitely, like, you know, navigate not having the best offensive line. I'm, I'm not saying Lamar Jackson can't do that, but, you know, he's better with a better offensive line. And, and and there are there's definitely some some things we say because he drives the running game, uh, you know he's obviously going to be much better with a with a with a good offensive line. Okay, we 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 need to call it here, but uh, really want to thank you for coming on, Josh, and talking tight ends with us, even though we got it all along Lamar Jackson <laughs> conversation. Tell folks where they could talk football with you online. Oh, you can always talk football with me on on Twitter at, at Josh Reed nine zero seven. Um, I usually say nine oh seven. That's because I'm from Alaska, but um, you could also read some of my um my stuff for heavy heavy on Ravens. That's where all my Ravens content can be found, and I'm always available. The lines are always open. All right, outstanding stuff. If you're out there and you'd like to do a film study short this off season, hit me up with a DM. They're always open on Twitter. Uh, but I'd love to hear from you. The new series I'm doing is called That One Play. 
And it, we pick one play in Ravens history. We'll talk about it together and uh, trying to make it 15, 20 minute, really bite sized episodes that will be shorter content that, that people like. I, there's people out there producing three minute podcasts. We should certainly be able to produce one in 15 if we really put our minds to it. But come at it from whatever angle you like in terms of why that play was special to you. It was my first game. It was the most exciting game I've ever been to. I was there for some different reason, or I watched on TV because of X, or I was at the field level and I, I saw this kind of thing. Whatever how, whatever reason it was special to you, uh, whether you think it was some important historical moment for the Ravens, I want to hear about it. Uh, we've got a bunch of them scheduled already. Uh, it's not like every good play in Ravens history is gone by any stretch, but some of the good ones are gone. Uh, the more kind of obscure the play is, the better. Hit me up again, and I'll get back to you very quickly, and we'll get scheduled. Josh, thanks again for coming on. Always a pleasure to talk football with you. Thanks for having me, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.